You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and it is finally here, the first official stage in the pre-draft process, not including the Senior Bowl in all of the Senior All-Star Games, but it is honestly my favorite week other than the NFL Draft, getting to watch the NFL Combine and seeing what all of these draft prospects we've been talking about for the past few months, getting to see what they do in a competitive setting, especially these small school guys, these big name players that have a couple things that they need to show that they're capable of doing, getting to see them out there on the field, being evaluated by talent. Chris, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen towards the end of the week once these guys start testing. Oh, absolutely. I'm right with you. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Maybe previous years a little bit more just because of the deci- the timing decisions by the NFL for some reason they have moved this to prime time which means it's not going to be getting over until 11 o'clock at night I always kind of enjoyed just just sitting around the blanket and a nice cup of tea watching the combine to start my day but you know we'll adapt yeah I used to go to classes and then prop up my laptop and have it on. I used to even do it in high school where I would watch it on my computer until I got yelled at by a teacher. Um, but now it's in prime time because they want fans and casual fans to tune in. Well, it helps those people out. But for us, you and I, it means we're going to have a long late night because we got to watch all that stuff and then digest all of it. And as soon as they start testing during the drills, we're going to be giving you some shows towards the later end of the week after each day of drilling, a quick reaction and our thoughts on who did well, who didn't do so hot, who did various things that helped themselves out. We'll be getting to that towards the end of the week. And also Ed, who is at the NFL Combine, will also be producing various different types of audio content that will be coming out. So this is going to be a great week for us. We're going to have a ton of stuff for you to tune in and listen to. So keep updating your podcast page wherever you listen to us because there will be plenty of stuff for you to take a look at and listen to. Before we discuss the defensive players and how to watch the various drills, now that it's in prime time, you can actually sit and watch an hour or so of this and we're going to discuss those things that you can really take note of and be your own personal scout. There is some news that we do have to address coming from the Combine, and the first most pressing one is that the arguable best prospect in this year's draft class, Chase Young from Ohio State, edge rusher, has made clear that he is not going to be participating in Combine drills. This was announced on Twitter by Ian Rappaport, saying that he is not going to participate, but he is still in Indianapolis for interviews in medical, and it really begs the question of why would a guy that has 
so much hype around him that scouts really want to see him on the field. Why would he choose not to participate in these drills? I would say there's a couple reasons. The most obvious one is that he doesn't really have anything to prove. He had a phenomenal season where he was just kind of a wrecking ball coming off the edge for Ohio State. And he's pretty much locked in as a top two, top three, maybe we hope, pray, light a candle, top four pick in this draft. So he doesn't really have anything to prove on the field to NFL teams. And there is a risk of injury at the combine. You know, we have seen guys, you know, tear pecs, bench pressing. Uh, last year, Dexter Lawrence suffered a leg injury running the 40. So there is a risk and it's a risk he doesn't really have to take. Now, the other side of things is, you know, Perhaps he isn't where he wants to be in his prep. You know, maybe he isn't running as fast a 40 as he feels he should. So he just wants to take the time, get up to where he feels he really should be, and then just run and perform and work out at Ohio State's Pro Day. Him choosing not to participate in these drills does give him that extra month to prepare, clean up some things. Maybe he doesn't really want to feel rushed. If you have the amount of hype that he does, he like you said, he doesn't really have a ton that he needs to prove. We really already know what he's capable of, and I'm sure that he and his agent have made that decision that, well, we don't need to prove that much. Go talk to the teams, have those conversations, explain to them why you're not participating. They probably won't be too upset or dis discouraged by you not participating because they know that you're talented. They've seen you in person. They've come to your games. They've come to your practices. They know what you're truly capable of, and if they're a top two, three team, they're still probably going to pick you even though you're not participating in this. Probably also trying to clean up some things and make sure he hits those thresholds and those goals for his testing numbers so he looks 100% explosive in the way that he wants to. We've seen guys omit and choose not to participate in these drills and it's not at all impacted their draft stock. The most notable one was Kyler Murray last year not participating in a more majority of things but still attending, going and supporting the other quarterbacks in the class, and also going and doing the interviews and the medical and all the important things besides actually participating on the field. It's not going to knock him down. It's not going to slow him down. Now, there is something, though, that there is already very high speculation for people that are freaking out over, particularly draft analysts and various people on draft Twitter. If you haven't seen this, we're going to try and put out this fire here and explain that it's really nothing that needs to be worried about. But today was the first day of measurements for a lot of these offensive players. And Joe Burrow, the prospective first overall pick, he measured in with nine-inch hands. Now, for whatever reason, despite that being on the smaller threshold for hand size, it has a lot of people freaking out. So that is part of the reason why we want to explain why you might be thinking to yourself, like, why, why do people care so much on how big a quarterback's hands are? Well, in some cases, scouts and GMs will think if this guy has smaller hands, he can't grip the ball as well, which could lead to fumbles. It could lead to a lack of ability to properly grip the football when he's throwing it. It could impact things like that. So it's just a bit of an overanalyzation. I frankly, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this, Chris, don't think it's going to impact his draft stock at all. I really don't think it's going to have a, an impact. You know, having nine inch hands is not going to make him a bust. You know, if you have to ask, 
whether or not he can throw with accuracy and touch. Um, I would have to ask you if you watched LSU at all over the past year, you know, even go back to two years, because in my own tape study of watching LSU prospects, I got to, I almost kind of hated Joe Burrow just because even going back to, back to their 2018 tape, he made it so hard to watch anyone else, but him, even in, 2018 when nobody really saw his 2019 season coming there were still flashes of just how did he do that how did he make the football go there and that just happened on a routine play in play out basis so hand size and his ability to throw the football to place the football with accuracy and touch and precision his hands are not not a concern for me in some cases, these measurements could mean a lot, and it, it's not going to super negatively impact him. But for other position groups, teams are focusing on some of those measurements. Teams might prefer corners with longer arms because it helps them in press coverage or offensive tackles with bigger hands and longer arms because it helps give them extra leverage when they're blocking. So it, in some cases, tends to be teams overanalyzing things. I don't really think that the hand size thing for a quarterback – really means that much it's just a lot of people choosing to dig too deep on something that really is not going to be a major contributing factor the other piece of news that we have it was more so discussed last week but with drills coming up very very soon it's worth noting that the drill process is going to be very very different this year there are 16 new drills and there were a number of notable and popular drills that were taken out of various position groups the most notable ones that we really were shocked by was the pedal and hip turn drill for the defensive backs um not as shocked for these last two but the stack and shed drill where they're hitting the pad for the defensive line and then the toe tap drill for the receivers but that pedal and hip turn drill for the defensive backs has been a pretty clear indication of Various things for defensive backs, which is why Chris and I, you are, you and I are both very, very shocked that they're taking this drill out. That, at least to me, one of, was one of the best drills for really sorting the DB group into cornerbacks and safeties. The guys who can backpedal, keep their hips down, show quick feet, and then you know, really fluid hips in transitioning into, or rather, out of that backpedal and into a sprint those are the guys that are the cornerbacks you could look at that drill and say safety safety okay this guy's a corner this guy maybe a free safety who could play corner on occasion cornerback safety yeah it was really cut and dry with that drill and i'm honestly surprised they took it out some of these other drills that kind of make some sense why they're getting rid of them the the toe tap you can argue these guys are slowing down it's not really a realistic game type situation the stack and shed well what do you really get out of that it does show a uh, defensive lineman's ability to stay low and explosive and move laterally but these new drills it should be interesting to see what they're going to be like and if they can add a benefit and honestly i think it is a very positive step forward in nfl talent evaluation trying to find different ways trying to eliminate things that they thought well we're not really learning anything from this we're not really getting to know this prospect it's just an it's a, a throwaway let's try these different things and actually get to see them in some more competitive and uh, athletic movements that really translate to the position groups one of the ones i saw on twitter 
is that for defensive linemen and pass rushers, they're going to have them go around a hoop in a, um, a bending type fashion. That way they can see a defensive lineman's bend and their ability to move with good pad level and also come off the outside shoulder of an offensive tackle. So things like that are going to be implemented into this new group of drills for the combine. Yeah, that's one I'm actually really looking forward to seeing. Can these edge prospects, uh, can they show the kind of ankle, knee, and hip flexibility to, to get low and maintain speed around the corner? You see Von Miller play, and his upper body is at, at about a 30-degree angle to the ground, and he's able to maintain speed around the edge. And that's one of the things that makes him such a dangerous pass rusher. So the guys that can do that, that's definitely going to be something to watch for. And you know, there are also some other things I would like to see. You know, I, I would actually almost like to see the bench press done away with. To to uh, quote Deion Sanders, he's never laid on his back and put uh, Jerry Rice on his chest and pushed him up. Maybe just as a way of seeing who has put in the work in the gym, I wouldn't mind seeing something like a tire flip where you actually get to see guys' lower body explosiveness, maybe a little bit more of uh, endurance, that sort of thing, because let's face it, for especially like offensive and defensive linemen, bench pressing 225 really is a test of endurance. It's not strength. Well, for these new drills, we're going to have to see what they turn out. And speaking of talking about these defensive linemen and the new things that they're going to be facing off with, let's get right into how you can watch the defensive linemen when they're participating towards the end of this NFL Combine cycle. Well, when we're watching these players, defensive tackles, edge players, a big thing is not so much that full 40-yard sprint. You got a lot of big, heavy guys. You don't really need a super fast 40. We're rather paying attention to the 10-yard split. How quickly can they explode off the line of scrimmage? How quickly can they use their upper body and and their lower body to force their momentum forward and, and generate power and force you also get to see that kind of stuff in the position drills how well do they maintain their balance how well to do they explode when they're moving laterally in different positional situations that explosiveness does translate to getting off the ball quickly powering through offensive linemen various things like that and the other thing too that you look to is agility drills more so for the edge players how quick are their feet when you have a guy like Aaron Donald has who has super quick feet that can be really, really dangerous for a defensive lineman. Yeah, both of those, you know, agility and explosion, which when you talk about the 10-yard split, that's really what it's measuring. How explosive are they basically over their first two, stri- two maybe three strides? And that will tell you what their get-off is like, what their first step as a pass rusher is like, and then whether or not they're able to transfer speed into power. So if you have a good 10-yard split and you have a player who has a who has good jumps, uh, vertical jump and bro- vertical leap and broad jump? They're probably going to have a good first step, a good get off, and have that ability to really stress offensive linemen with their explosiveness. You know, you mentioned Aaron Donald. He had he had just under a ten foot broad jump and a one five nine ten yard split. You know, both of those are just almost off the charts great for a defensive lineman. And, you know, we have seen him be basically the the best defensive lineman in the NFL since he was drafted. 
All right, now we're going to talk about the next two position groups. But before we get to them, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Up next is the linebackers, and there are some pretty notable linebackers that we've discussed that we're going to be paying close attention to, especially Isaiah Simmons, super athletic. We're going to love to see what he can do and how well he moves. But when we're watching him and some of these other guys, I think a very key thing is hip mobility. How well do they transition and move fluidly when they have to stop and cut in their position drills? Does it feel like they're hitting cement and then they're trying to drag themselves out of it? Or do they seamlessly transition when cutting and moving? Because a lot of being an NFL linebacker is quick cutting, quick footwork while you're trying to also read and analyze the play going on in front of you. If you can't move your feet quickly, that's how you get wrapped up and grabbed inside by a big offensive lineman who's going to drive you right to the opposing bench if you're not quick enough and react quick enough. You also are looking in those positional drills how well they react. In certain drills, they will try to get a reaction from linebackers and catch them off guard, see how quickly they can analyze and, and find out which direction to move into in some of these drills. It's really to see how quickly they can they can think and how quickly they can follow their bodies when they're thinking. Yeah, you, you mentioned their mobility, how they play in space, and really more and more every year. That is the primary duty of an NFL linebacker. You know, guys who are downhill players that run stuffing thumpers, you don't really see those guys being drafted highly or playing a lot of snaps anymore. You know, wasn't really all that long ago when Takeo Spikes was drafted. And honestly, I'm not even sure he would be drafted in the modern NFL. So guys who can play in space, guys who can cover, almost, almost cover at a defensive back level, are going to be really prized. And then, as you say, just how well they can process information, how quickly can they think, and then can they keep up with their processing? That is going to be very important to see in the positional drills. You watch, you know, well, up until this year, Luke Keekley play, and he almost looks like he was in the—he almost looks like he was in the offensive huddle. He was reacting so quickly. A lot of that is film study, but also a lot of it is just being able to process information in just the blink of an eye, and then have the athleticism to act on that. The other thing for linebackers that we're paying attention to is their general explosiveness and athletic ability, similar with all these other position groups. Being a good uh, linebacker in today's modern NFL, you do need to be a bit more athletic. And we've seen guys come out of college that have been athletically limited despite having really, really good college careers, and then they don't really translate to the NFL. It's pretty clear the reason why they don't translate is because of the fact that they're just so athletically limited, they can't play at the same speed as these professional players. So the guys that have increasing draft, draft stocks, you're going to be paying attention to if they have a good 40 time, a good 10-yard split, the agility drills, as well as the broad, vertical, you name it. All of those things are going to factor into creating a, a strong draft stock for these linebacker prospects. Final position group, defensive backs. That includes the safeties and corners. 40 time is very important for them, more so than other positions, very similar to wide receiver because 
being able to move quickly is very important. Sometimes you do have to flip and bail. You have to chase guys down or you have to follow someone at full speed. If you can't keep up with a receiver that runs a 4-4 because you run a 4-7 as a corner, well, you're not going to last very long in the, in the league. Guys that run really, really fast 40 times can earn themselves very good roster spots and also very high draft selections because if you have that rare ability of speed, some teams think they can coach you up and then they can use you as potentially an every down player or a sub package guy because you have that athletic ability as a corner. Other thing too that's very important for cornerbacks is their agility, their ability to move quickly, their footwork. If they have very good footwork, that kind of stuff translates to being a very good corner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if you think about it, the corner position in in particular, defensive back in general, but corner in particular is really a reactive position. It's a it's kind of like offensive line in that you're really reacting to what the other guy does. The defensive backs have really no initiative at any point outside of maybe their initial jam in press man coverage. Otherwise, they are forced to react to whatever the receiver does. So they have to have bare minimum the athleticism to keep up with that receiver. So if you can have a corner who can run a 4-3, he's going to be able to keep up with a lot of receivers at the NFL level and guys who we say are able to take the top off of a defense. Well, you know, that that top's going to stay on if you if your corner can just stick in the hip pocket and stick with them down that vertical route. And we talked about this with the drill that was taken out. Corners need to be able to move their feet. They need to have quick feet, fluid hips. Uh, one of my favorite Mike Mayockisms, other than when he got bored and started re- reciting funk in the booth. Uh, Mike Mayfunk, one of my favorite clips from any combine ever. Just him up there reciting Parliament Funkadelic. Look it up on YouTube. It's amazing. That man is now a general manager. But one of my favorite Mayakisms is the term oily hips. And when you watch these guys who are just natural corners, who can move just completely effortlessly, it fits. There are really no limitations in their hip joints. And that really frees them up to be able to turn and run and stick with corners in just tight coverage. And that helps the entire defense. The overall fluidity in the position drills is so crucial for the defensive back position because you have to contort your body and move and react at such high speeds. It's very unique in that position. And with teams having more complicated passing concepts that you have to deal with and and react to and having to face off against the most elite speed and strength athletes combination in the world, you need to be able to move well. If you can't fluidly move your hips and adjust your your path of direction, you're going to have a lot of trouble in the NFL. And we, we, we've seen a number of corners do so that don't really have successful careers because they can't figure that stuff out and they're physically incapable of, of doing that. That's all we have for our How to Watch the Defensive Position Groups. Thank you for tuning in, folks. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe and also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon, and you can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. Stay tuned for the rest of the week as we are going to be giving you a ton of NFL Combine content.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.